Radio 680 WPTF, Friday night, uh, got to look at June 12th, that means it's two days before June 14th, and June 14th on my calendar says Flag Day, and so what we're going to be talking about, my brother Stephen and I tonight, is Flag Day, we may fudge a little bit and go across to some other subjects that may particularly have to do with American history or something that one of us has found that uh, has been kind of interesting lately, we're doing this in lieu of our usual Friday night trivia. For a number of years now, I've wanted to celebrate uh, Flag Day. And about uh, about 18 years ago, Jerry Jester uh, was a gentleman that I uh, obtained from the Boy Scouts of America to talk about flags. And he and one of his colleagues named Hank Degree have been with us every year since then. But because of health problems and other things, they were not able to be with us this year. So I invited my brother Stephen, who uh, likes to uh, talk about this and that and uh, be our guest tonight. Stephen, are you there? I'm here, Tom. <laughs> do you do you find the, the fact that you like to talk about this and that agreeable? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, you, you, when we got to talking about it earlier, it made me think about all of my interaction with the flag over my life, and uh, especially when I was younger, it, it was something that I took a uh, uh, great honor, honor in. I don't display it like I should now, I think I've decided, but... Uh, uh, Tom, one of my two most cherished memories is being an elementary school student and being asked to go out and raise the flag. Well, I'm glad that you did that because that shows that you have the right DNA because when I was in high school, I was the chairman of the flag committee. And uh, we, our committee, the truth is the school janitor usually put it up every morning, but we were supposed to put it up if nobody else did and to take it, take care of it and things like that. So we both had an interest in, in the flag along the way. And we may go back tonight and ask you uh, to talk about some of the ways that, you know, that if you have any that are, are of interest to, with your uh, coming in contact with the, the flag and the observance of it. Um, I uh, have a, a couple of stories myself to tell. In fact, the first time I was ever on WPTF as a guest before I started working here, with a woman named Barbara Heisler used to do the talk show at night, the one that we are doing now, and uh, I was the producer of it. I was doing what my friend Mr. Carter is doing for us tonight at that time. But I knew a lot about the flag, so Barbara decided to invite me to be uh, the guest. So the first time I was ever on WPTF where I was in front of the microphone as a guest was uh, talking about the flag and the rules that had to do with it. Some of them have changed and some of them have not. But anyway, uh, and uh, uh, if, uh, if Jerry... And uh, Jerry Jester and Hank were here tonight. Uh, I had a, a lady call me up one time, uh, somebody who had uh, been on the show, and her husband had died, and she had a flag that she got off the coffin, and she wanted to know if I could put her in touch with Jerry, and I did. And what she wanted to do was not to put the flag in her in her closet, she said, and just keep it there and let it deteriorate, but to give it to somebody who would make some use of it. And so she gave it to the Boy Scouts, and they used it in official time. So we've all got a flag story somewhere, and uh, maybe you'll have a two or three tonight somewhere along the way. We will not be taking any calls because we don't have sufficient lines under this situation 
take calls. We're working on trying to get that adjusted, and perhaps we will be able to do that and, and take some trivia calls along the way. But in the meantime, Stephen, uh, uh, one thing I do want you to note is that I want uh, uh, you to call me after the show is off the air tonight, okay? Sure, Tom. Okay. It's easier for you to call me than for me to call you. Do you have a, a particular flag story that uh, you want to hold out to there actually, there are a lot of them. For me, Tom, I've decided uh, that I did not know that I really considered to be flag stories, Tom. Um, the uh, One of the uh, things that you discover, and that I've kind of known all along, and you kind of know if you pay attention when you grow up in the United States, is that there is a flag code, Tom. Right. Um, a way of dealing with the flag, and... Uh, one of the things I have noted over the years as I've driven around is that people don't seem to be treating the flag the way I was taught to treat it. Well, now let me let me make one one difference, and this is something I discovered. You use exactly the right words, and that is the flag code, and that's a, a list of the ways that the flag is supposed to be treated, observed, and so on. But most of the, the elements in the flag code are not, in fact, laws. They are just suggestions uh, or requirements as to how you would conduct yourself if you wanted to honor the flag, but they, they're not things you see that you can be arrested for. That's true, uh, but I would like I like to think, especially when I was younger, I guess I've become jaded as I've gotten older, Tom, but I like to think that people would, um, because of their reverence, their pride in the flag, would treat the flag the way it should be, and I you know, one of the things is that uh, you know the flag is not supposed to be displayed during inclement weather, and I, I'd always wondered when I would drive by, why is the flag, you know, out when it's raining? You know, right. And one uh, of the things that has changed, and I, I can never get it quite clear because I, I agree with you. That's what my understanding is. But there are uh, interpretations of the flag etiquette that say if it is a a flag made of acceptable materials that can stand the weather, it might be left out in inclement weather. Just like the, the question of the flag being displayed at night. Uh, the the, the, the uh, code, I think, says the flag should not be displayed uh, after dusk, uh, that is, after when it's dark. But there there is one interpretation that says you can display it on special occasions, not routinely, if you if you have a light on it. It has to be a light on it. You can't just have it have it hanging there in the dark. That, that kind of sunrise to sunset, right? Um, in the open, it can be displayed at night, but only if, if illuminated, as you said, right? Uh, to produce, and they, you, the hope is, you produce a patriotic effect, right? And speaking of patriotic effect, there are numbers of businesses that use flags uh, as uh, part of their uh, statement to the outside world, uh, and. Uh, kind of like advertisements or as a sign or something. Uh, I know there, there used to be near where you and I grew up a service station that had a huge flag that was that was displayed outside. I think the code would discourage the use of the American flag as a part of a commercial enterprise, as a part of the commercial operation. Uh, and, uh, well, the official wording on that, Tom, I, I, I had hoped that I would find the code because I grew up learning the code. And you're right, it is not law. But it is, I think, uh, encouraged to be followed. And uh, the code says or uh, states that the flag should never be used for any advertising purpose. I mean, 
think about that now. Uh, it should be embroidered on cushions or handkerchiefs, printed on paper napkins or boxes, nor used as any portion of a costume. Well, that's broken just about daily. Uh, oh, uh, several times. A T-shirt with a flag on it is probably uh, uh, disobeying what the code would suggest. And, uh, and uh, well, there are just so many ways that people just decide to, to interpret it the way they want it to be interpreted. But uh, the, the flag code that I learned, the one that I talked about on the radio was Miss, Miss Heiser 45 years ago or whatever it was that I was on with her, was a very stringent code. And uh, one of the things, for instance, it, it said is there were only like four places in the United States that were authorized to fly the flag at night. And uh, that rule has been generally changed because it now says if it's displayed with a light on it, it can be flown. But but the earlier rule was there was there were there was no question about the lighting or not. It was there were just four places. And uh, you want to guess at least one of those? Pennsylvania. No. No. Well, I, I guess there may have been. No, there were there was one in Baltimore. That there was a flag square in Baltimore, and that and. That Baltimore would have a flag square is is uh, understandable because it's very close to Fort McHenry, where the Star Spangled Banner was written, and 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 it, and it is over Fort McHenry is another place that the flag was authorized to be flown uh, at day and night. And of course, what the the Star Spangled Banner is about is that the flag made it through the night, and you could he Francis Scott Key could see it the whole time. And that meant that the, the Americans were still in charge of the fort. But uh, I think there was a place in New Mexico called uh, Flag House Square or something like that that was authorized, and at least one other place. But uh, just it was very stringent, and there were not many places that the flag was supposed to be displayed. Did you do any research, Stephen? I have done so. I did. Uh, and we we ought to talk about the beginning of the flag. And we ought to take a break before we do that. And so we will, with your permission. And when we come back, we'll go back to the time of the Revolutionary War. Okay? Okay. The Tom Kearney Show on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Uh, 9.18 in News Radio 680 WPTF. Tom Kearney here, along with my brother Stephen Kearney. And uh, we're talking about the American flag because Sunday... It's going to be Flag Day, and we're going to find out why June 14th is Flag Day as a part of our next uh, few moments of uh, information. Uh, Stephen, do you want me to go first and lead us into the Revolutionary War, or do you want to jump in? I'm going to let you do the Revolutionary War part. Uh, I um, uh, have uh, the actual resolution, Tom, and I think okay. that that's tied into the date somewhat, but why don't you just uh, take a go at it? Well, yeah, I, I, the American colonies sort of wandered into the into the Revolutionary War uh, as in the aftermath of the French and Indian War. The British government uh, imposed taxes on the, the colonies that they resisted, and gradually they moved toward uh, armed resistance. Uh, we're giving you the 50-cent version of this, of course, and it deserves more than that, so... Uh, one might look for a book somewhere and read up on the history of the Revolutionary War. But uh, uh, there was a true sign that, that uh, uh, there was going to be some fighting uh, in 1775. Uh, I think, uh, well, the poem that I learned from uh, a, uh, Longfellow was, uh, was to 
trustee is 18th of April in 75, and hardly a man is now alive who remembers the day and year of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. And, of course, Paul Revere was riding from Boston and Cambridge to uh, the nearby town of Concord, uh, where some guns were were uh, stored for uh, possible rebel activity, and uh, they needed to be warned uh, if, if the British army, which had landed in Boston, was in fact coming. Well, I think one if by land and two if by sea. And so if you've ever wondered what, what Paul Revere was up to, that was in fact it. Now, we most of us know that he didn't actually make it, but there were a couple of other riders who did in fact make it. And by the way, Stephen, you, I know you're a sports fan. The, uh, the running of the Boston Marathon every April, on about April 18th, is in remembrance uh, of the midnight ride of Paul Revere, and it's called Patriot's Day. I think they did not have the race this year because of the, the health problems, but uh, that's uh, another interesting thing to know. So, I think it was the first time they hadn't held it. And since they started having it. And there, uh, as the... Uh, as the uh, poem has it, uh, the uh, a group of what were called Minutemen stood and fired the shot that was heard around the world. And uh, so the, some, some form of fighting had already begun in uh, April of, 18, of 1775. But we know that the colonies didn't take the big step for another year because it was in July of 1776. Ah, it's, you know, it sounds familiar now, doesn't it? That uh, uh, the... Uh, Declaration of Independence was promulgated, was accepted, and, and signed off on. And uh, that was the point where the colonies had declared themselves independent of the British and the war. Well, they could get on with it a little bit more then. And, Stephen, it was almost a year later when the, a good bit of the fighting had already taken place. General Washington was in charge of some of the American uh, uh, troops in the, in the northern part of uh, the, the colonies who... I'm tempted to say United Colonies, but I'm not so sure they were all that united, but they were at least uh, putting on the war. And uh, they, it was decided that they needed a flag. And, I, and, it's, uh, and you may know what happened here in terms of General Washington. And, and I, I hope you're not going to tell me that Betsy Ross made the first flag. Well, uh, I'm not going to tell you that. Uh, I think your statements to me... In- past years when we were not doing this were that uh, it's pretty well established that she didn't do it. Um, I did read an interesting account as part of my research because I like to research things, Tom, as you know, one, to be prepared, and two, I just like to learn stuff. And uh, one of the things I learned is is that um, she probably had something to do with it, but she may not have been the one who made the first one, uh, is what I think probably had and probably and didn't and didn't design it. She may have sewed some on it, but didn't design it. But, uh, uh, that's probably true. But what, what I would offer at this point, because you got it pretty much where I would be able to step in, and that is that there's a flag resolution date, Tom, of strangely enough, June fourteenth, seventeen seventeen seventy seven. That right. states resolved that the flag of the United States be made of thirteen stripes alternate red and white, that the Union, and I did not know that until I did my research, but that the Union be 13 stars, white in a blue field, representing a new constellation. Well, I did not know until I did my research that the blue portion is known as the Union. And right. um, and I think that's all very interesting. And 
everything sort of evolves as we know it today from that. Each part of the flag has, and I'm not as up on all that stuff as I should be, but has a particular name, so it can be designated what what it should be made of, what what the shape should be, and and so on. But uh, but we do have Flag Day, and and I I did not know when I started doing these programs why June 14th. I think I supposed that they had chosen a handy day in the month of June, but it in fact is the day that uh, the Continental Congress, uh, I think the Second Continental Congress, officially designated that there w- what would be a flag for the United States of America. Stevie, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and after that, Tom, they begin to change it. And they begin to change it, yes. Well, they, they uh, had... They didn't actually change it to the flag, if I remember, uh, much until after the nation had been created because the, the the beginning of the war did not mean that they were going to be successful and that there was going to be a, a, a united colony, United States of America. And that did not happen until the years in the late uh, 1780s. I think the Constitution was officially promulgated in 1789. And... Uh, but uh, then they had to, because it, the area of the 13 original colonies was, was expanding and settlement was going out, they had to make provision for new states to enter the Union. Is that what you were thinking about? Uh, well, actually, there are uh, several acts and executive orders that change the, the nature of the flag, extending all the way up to August 21st of 1959. Okay, well, let's don't go to 1959 yet, but... Uh, uh, do, do, are there any particular ones? Uh, what I was thinking we would get to here is, is after the nation was officially in effect, say in 1791 and 1792, I think two new states, I believe Vermont and maybe one other one, uh, entered the Union, and it was decided that a, a stripe was to be added to the flag and a star was to be added to the flag. And that, in fact, happened. But they soon realized, I think, that the flag if they kept adding stripes, it was going to become unwieldy. So what they decided to do was to leave it with 13 stripes for eternity to represent the original 13 colonies, but to add thereafter a star each year for... Uh, actually, the star is added on, on July the 4th, uh, regardless of which day uh, the state entered the Union. And, uh, and so uh, the number grew gradually from 13 in 1791 to... Uh, the last time I looked, I think there were 50. Is that not right? It's, it's slightly altered. The only thing I would change, Tom, is, is you're right. It's added every July 4th. Uh, it's added on the July 4th following the admission of each new state. Right. Now, do you know, I'm sure you do, which state was the last one that entered the Union? Well, based on a very couple of very popular TV shows, I'm going to say Hawaii. Well, that's that's actually how I remember it, too. I used to get confused and saying, well, it was either Alaska or Hawaii, because from 1912 until 1959, there were 48. They were always called the lower 48. And at that time, it was decided that Alaska would be, in 1959, the next one to enter the Union. And in 1960, the star was added for Hawaii. And of course, you and and I are big fans of Hawaii 5 So that's the way you can always remember it. There is sometimes talk of adding another state or two, maybe the District of Columbia, which is not a, in, not a state or in a state, 
and perhaps uh, the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, but that, that in fact, has not, not happened yet. Uh, Tom, perhaps of uh, greater interest or, or maybe greater quiz uh, uh, possibility would be the name, what were the uh, 47th and 48th states? And I find that very hard to come up with. I think one of them may be New Mexico and one of them may be Arizona, but uh, I think you can weigh in on that. I think you know you're right about that, and it's handy that they're next to each other. So, uh, uh, in fact, there was a man. I think his name was Carl Hayden, who was a representative from Arizona, and way into the 1950s and maybe the 60s, he continued to be a representative from, I believe, Arizona. So he had represented it from the time that it that it had entered the union until uh, uh, past mid-century, and uh, so well. What we're talking about tonight, I'm Tom Kearney, and Steve Kearney's over there. Uh, we're talking about flag, the flag of the United States of America, often controversial. And uh, when it was uh, provided for, when it was created, and how it grew to have not 13 stars, but, but 50 stars. And uh, we're going to talk some more about the flag and indeed about American history after we listen to the news here. I do want to tell you that Monday night... Uh, Nick Petro of the National Weather Service is going to be with us. Uh, we haven't gotten our full program uh, from him on the uh, possibilities having to do with hurricanes this year, and Nick is going to be with us on uh, on uh, Monday night. Stephen, we're going to have a couple of people from Chapel Hill on Tuesday night who have a new book out, and it's kind of a trivia book about uh, a fact book about the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and uh, it, it's. Uh, uh, going to be uh, the uh, subject of our talk on Tuesday night. We'll be back after we check the news. News Radio 680 WPTF, Tom Kearney at 9.34 on a Friday night. And instead of trivia tonight, we're, we, and the we is yours truly, Tom Kearney and my brother Stephen, and we're discussing why there is a Flag Day and some of the history behind Flag Day. We'll get back to that. Stephen, we'll be back to, with you in just a moment, but we've got some words we need to have about King's Auto, uh, one of our sponsors. When servicing your car, you need to know your cycle of service. Your cycle of service begins the, the month that you buy your car. That cycle does not necessarily match with the normal seasonal changes. At King's Auto Service, they will schedule your service intervals based on that cycle. For those using synthetic oil and driving limited miles, you may go months past the normal service based on those miles and will need to schedule your service two to three times a year. During your service, Kings will check wipers, belts, tires, and transmission levels. For those of you who are currently driving a Toyota Prius or some other hybrid vehicle, the certified hybrid technicians at Kings are now able to refurbish your high-voltage battery pack for less than the dealer would charge to replace it. It, it, this usually occurs, by the way, at about 150,000 miles. Call Kings tomorrow, or actually Monday, to schedule a courtesy battery analysis. Kings Auto Service and Kings Correct Lube are easy to find at 1039 Northwest Street in downtown Raleigh and at kingautomotive.net on the web. Raleigh's most reliable auto care since 1946, Kings Auto. And I can tell you that it's truthful because Mrs. Kearney and I take both of our cars to Kings Auto. And Stephen, you would too if you were in Raleigh. But uh, Stephen Kearney is on the line with us from Charlotte. Stephen, are you there? I'm here, Tom. 
you want to jump in here, or do you want me to to lead on? Well, I wanted to ask you, Tom, about what you thought the actual proportions of the the flag that uh, you would have at home would be. See if you knew. I have known that, and it's uh, not. It is not square, and that that's what you're talking about. I think, and it ten ten to to nineteen or something like that. Well, it's three foot by five foot. Okay. Uh, in, in most homes, and uh, I've discovered again, and this is why I do this solution board, because I get to learn things, is that uh, there are different flags for different types of things. For instance, a casket flag is considerably bigger than the flag you might fly out on your front porch. Right, right. Well, I know one time back, uh, a long time ago, because he's about 50 years old now, your, your nephew, and that makes him my nephew, lived in Germany with his parents, and he wanted to celebrate America, so he wanted a flag. So I went out to try to find him one and to buy him one, and it posed, it turned out to be prohibitively expensive, uh, but there were a lot of different sizes of flags that one could, could get. But the, the bigger they were, of course, the, the more expensive they were. And I think flags today, you mentioned you were sort of alluded to this earlier, Tom, depending on what flags are made out of. Uh, a lot of them are made out of uh, vinyl material now that yeah, really sort of, withstands the weather. Sort of plasticized, yeah, exactly. And those, those are, I think, called all-weather uh, uh, flags, and they're the ones that that uh, people who care typically try to fly if they fly outside, fly them outside. I know there's a there's a place of business in, in West Raleigh on Hillsborough Street that used to fly a whole row of flags all the way around the outside, and and they were not the kind that would, would be taken down every time it started to rain or, or night came on. So uh, uh, that was one of those cases where flying the flag uh, inter- intersected with uh, it being a kind of adv- advertisement for uh, the particular place of business. Tom, I'm going to let you pick the direction we go next. Where would you like to go with our discussion about the flag? Well, do you, do you have any historical stories about the flag that uh, that uh, go back uh, to the, the early days of the country? Uh, uh, I was I was thinking of stories about places like the Alamo. Of course, the flag at the Alamo was not the American flag, but it was, in fact, the Texas flag because Texas was an independent nation at that particular point. But... Uh, Something that I noted in doing some research on my own, I, like you too, like to do research, and that's one reason I enjoy doing this. And I had never thought about this, and I imagined that you hadn't either. But during the Civil War, uh, no flags were removed from the, the American flag. A number of states, I think 11, officially seceded from the Union, and two more might have, but President Lincoln would not allow the stars to be removed from the flag. I think what he was doing was all along he maintained that they couldn't, in fact, leave the Union so the, the stars would not be taken away. But I had, it had never occurred to me to think about that before. Yeah, I think it's consistent with what he viewed uh, the, the his effort, his country's effort, all about, and that the, uh, the South never seceded because they did not have the legal power to do that. Right. Yeah, he maintained that they never left. They they perhaps uh, there was a revolt, perhaps a rebellion, if you will, but they never actually left. And his his aim um, through much of the war, at least certainly in the initial part, was uh, the, the effort, the military effort, was to maintain the union, 
uh, later on, of course, it took on other aspects. Well, one of the things I think uh, that that is not always pointed out that they were very careful to do, at least that Lincoln and his people were very careful to do, is to define what was going on. And you are kind of a legal scholar. You would know better about this than I am. In such a way that the people who were carrying it on, that is, the people who were the Confederates, were not, in fact, uh, uh, traitors and would not would not be susceptible to, to the kinds of laws and rules uh, that uh, would be applied to, to the people. It, it, I think, whether you use the word civil war or war of rebellion or whatever, def- helps to define exactly who. Uh, the, the people are who are doing it and what they are doing relative to the laws of the country that they're doing it to. And I think that's one reason he was very careful to want to see. And, and I think as far as I know, only one person was executed because of uh, the law, and it was the, the leader of the uh, Andersonville uh, prison camp, uh, Francis Jefferson Davis, uh, while he was in prison, uh, and uh, Robert E. Lee, etc. None of those leaders were, in fact, uh, ever uh, uh, executed or, or charged with being traitors. Yeah, the, the rules of treason uh, were not applied to them. Uh, uh, I think uh, the law provides that if you're found to, to be guilty of treason, that the penalty is death. Yes, yes, and I think I know Jefferson Davis, and it was it's noteworthy that in the recent. Uh, uh, Fracases we've been having and uh, confrontations between uh, demonstrators and the police and so on. That uh, the Jefferson Davis statue, uh, I believe in Virginia, I believe in Richmond, was uh, you would know better than I was was brought down. And uh, I think maybe the Robert E. Lee statue as, as well. But the the Jefferson Davis statue was brought down by demonstrators. And uh, but uh, the the whole question uh, as time has gone on, and it, and it comes to speak to the issue of, of the, the fact that there are statues in American states to people who were Confederates, and that is who were who had rebelled against the country. And uh, one of the things that has come up is the renaming of certain uh, forts and military installations, including North Carolina's Fort Bragg, which was named for Confederate General Braxton Bragg, may in fact be in the making too. So it uh, makes it a, a very interesting question. One of the things that we ought to talk about in a moment, Stephen, is some of the things that come around the flag and, and, and are, 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 uh, help uh, support it. Uh, and one is the, uh, the uh, Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. Well, yeah, that's, uh, it's interesting that you bring that up because uh, this was a part of how I began each school day, Tom. Um, uh, one of my stories tonight, if we get to it, and it's a very brief one, I assure you, is about uh, how proud I was when I was entrusted with the, the duty of raising the flag and, and at one point and on a different day lowering the flag. And if we get to it, we'll talk about that. But in uh, my classroom, we started the, the day with a Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, and the flag was uh, located in my classroom, and um, you faced it and placed your right hand over your heart and recited the uh, the pledge of allegiance to that flag. Is that similar to your experience, Tom? Uh, yeah, I don't remember that we said the, the Pledge of Allegiance when, in, in my school. Uh, I think it, it some classrooms did it and some did not. 
but I think it was about the time that I was in like the third or fourth grade that the great controversy arose over adding a phrase to the to the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. Now, I think the Pledge of Allegiance was created, uh, in your memory may be better than mine, around the year 1900. I think a school teacher somewhere uh, thought it up, and there was a, there was a lot of uh, patriotism going on in those days. And uh, but in in uh, 1953 or 54, they uh, uh, added the phrase "Under God" to the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. Does that suit your memory? And that, of course, was before you were born. It wouldn't have been something that went on when you were in school. I, I don't know if it's the exact day. What I would offer to you is I know that there was controversy about that, and um, it. It seems rather obvious today, but back then perhaps it was not. Well, there were a lot of uh, there was a lot of dis- upset and discussion that was during the period of the of the uh, the McCarthy uh, trials and so on, and so there was a lot of of uh, dispute. The kind the kind that would spill over uh, into the 1960s and, and create all the uh, unrest and. Uh, 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 things that went on during, during the 1960s that promoted change in the anti-war movement, the civil rights movement, and, and those kinds of things. But uh, it was well, also... you remember, Tom, that, it, that at one point there was the question of, and this is something that's hard to talk about, but still I think we're, uh, just because it's hard to talk about doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about it, uh, the burning of the flag as a, a statement to be made, as, as a, a form of communication and... Uh, you remember, I think the Supreme Court has dealt with that, Tom. I think it's been the interpretation has been that it, that it is, it is the Free Speech Act, and one can do right. it, and uh, uh, it is a way of saying that you disagree with what the what the flag stands for, or, or what the people who use the flag are using it for. But if I remember correctly, that that is in fact is the case, and and I've talked to some some very pro flag, very. Uh, People, very patriotic people, who, who agree with that, who believe that you have a right to disagree. Uh, they don't agree with you, but they have a right. You have a right to disagree with whatever point is being taken along the way. We need to take a break here. So, gather your your lungs up, Stephen, and any of your stories that you want to tell, and get ready because we're approaching the last quarter of our program tonight at News Radio 680 WPTF. It's nine forty-six. The Tom Kearney Show on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. WPTF 9.49 is the time. Tom Kearney here on a Friday night. It's uh, June 12th, which means it's two days away from June 14th. And June 14th is the day that's designated on our national calendar as Flag Day, and they will give you a chance to uh, to observe the uh, flag of the United States of America, Old Glory, and uh, uh, perhaps uh, imagine the words or sing them to the Star Spangled Banner, which, by the way, did not become our official national anthem until 1931. Many people do not, in fact, realize that, but the poem by Francis Scott Key was written in the year 1814, I believe, uh, during the battle uh, for Fort McHenry in in uh, the area of, of Baltimore, my brother Stephen is with me tonight. Stephen, uh, we've got just a couple of three or four minutes left here. Do you have a a, a flag story that you want to tell? Uh, just uh, very quickly, Tom. Uh, 
the first time I went, to, I went to school, of course, uh, these were new experiences. And as a young person, uh, ages uh, six through eight, I had some new experiences. And one of them was being chosen to go out and put up the flag in the morning. And I considered it a great honor and, uh, you know, carried the, the flag with a great deal of, uh, of, uh, of circumstance and pomp and, and care and, uh, you know, it meant a lot to me to go out and, and do that and to be given that, that commission, that mission, if you will. I think the principal told me to do that. And uh, and just it meant a lot to me then. And I, I, uh, I as I was thinking about this program, Tom, I was uh, uh, thinking about that experience. And, I, and I, it reminded me of another experience, and that was um, lowering the flag. And... Uh, the flag code that we mentioned earlier says that the flag should be hoisted briskly. That means raised quickly, right, Tom? Yeah, I think so. And it needs to be lowered ceremoniously. And what that means is slowly with care and and uh, sort of observance of, of reverence for it. But I was given the assignment one day very quickly by the principal and a, and a fellow student to go take the flag down because it had started raining. And uh, they observed the idea that you should not have the flag out during the rain. And I will tell you then, uh, my memory is, and it's, I have a good memory, is that we did not lower it ceremoniously. We simply got it down as quickly as we could. Well, the thing that I remember from my first days of dealing with raising and lowering the flag is the importance that was attached to not letting it touch the ground. And that you didn't allow it to touch the ground that day in the, in the in the near rain, did you? Oh, no. I mean, that... I would have had. I would not have gone back in the building. Yeah. Well, we've we've touched on something that turns out to be when you deal with it a kind of can of worms, speaking figuratively, of course, and that is it has all kinds of of curves and uh, again speaking figuratively and and changes in rules, and that is the question of what is. And this goes along with the code of the flag that we talked about much earlier in the program, and that is flag etiquette, and that is how do you treat the flag? How do you raise it? How do you lower it? And you've talked about that. If you're going to fly the flag at half mass, what what do you do? I think you raise it to the top and then bring it back down, if I remember correctly. That's correct. Uh, according to the code, when it's flown at half-staff, the flag should be first hoisted all the way to the peak for an instant and then lowered to half-staff position. It, when you take it down, it should be raised again to the top, and then lower it all the way to the bottom. Right. Now, we run into other things like uh, where do you put a flag if you're in, a, in, a, in, a, in an assembly? Suppose you're having a speech by a politician or some leader or something, and you've got a, the American flag. Where does it go? And there's a, there's a whole uh, possibility of, uh, of getting, it, getting that kind of thing wrong. And if you've got a bunch of flags, say, at the beginning of a parade, and one of them is the American flag, where is the proper place, the place of honor for the American flag. And uh, uh, if you have something going on like the the eternal peace conference between North and South Korea, which is going still going on, left over from 1953, uh, how do you fly the flags there? Who gets to be uh, the highest flag, or does anybody get to be the highest flag? Who gets to be on the right and who gets to be on the left? But there's a whole book of etiquette, sort of like Emily Post for the flag. You know, and Tom, this goes to, to what you believe in as a person and what you will buy and what you adhere to. And uh, I've always thought that there should be some sense of honor or code of honor. I'm not talking about something written down, but, 
just some way of living that you should believe in, and you can choose to believe in this and do it this way or not, uh, but I kind of think that this is how I was raised, that you should do this, and I'm not saying that everybody should or that you'll buy it, but it's something that I feel that I would do. I think each person must make its own decision. Well, the flag is a symbol of, of the nation. Uh, the other prominent symbol that I think of uh, is the the American eagle, the bald eagle. Uh, and uh, they both uh, are supposed to be referenced. Uh, and when they got to talking several years ago about how they would punish people who, who uh, say, burned the flag, I, I was always for somebody telling me what they were going to do to people who, who contributed to the death of an eagle, you know, by shooting them or poisoning them or, or first one thing or another. But they are... They are, in fact, the symbols of America. And on this Sunday, you get the chance, hopefully, to see a lot of flags flown. A lot of people put uh, flag posts up off the front of their house and, and, and have the flags leaning. Some people, well, I have one neighbor where I live, Stephen, who has a full-fledged flagpole out in front of his house. Uh, that he went to uh, some trouble to erect. Okay with me, as long as they do it the right way. Okay, that's good. Well, I want to thank you for uh, for been doing this with us tonight, and as I said, I would like for you to call me after we are off the air tonight so you and I can have a private conversation. In the meantime, I'm going to let you go now while I do a little promoing, okay? Okay. Okay. Uh, I, we started, we talked a little earlier about the fact that uh, Nick Petro, the weather guy from the NOAA's National Weather Service, will be our guest on Monday night. Uh, on Tuesday night, we're going to have a couple of writers who have produced a book about the University of North Carolina called UNC from A to Z, and I think it's one of those compendiums that will tell you what you want to know and why uh, the the song says hark the sound of Tower Hill voices and things like that, why the color is Carolina blue. But that will be on Tuesday night. Uh, on Wednesday night, Dr. Mike Walden will be on to talk about the state of the economy. Thursday night, part four of Dr. Edward Funkhauser's coverage of uh, the uh, necrology of the people that have died in the early months of year 2020 will take place. And uh, on next Friday night, uh, we will have another Friday night show in which we will talk about some aspect of American history. The Tom Kearney Show on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF.